Isn't that awesome? Yeah, you can clap. That's, that's awesome. So my question then becomes, what kind of obstacles do you have to overcome? I mean, this young man doesn't know any better, and he just keeps overcoming everything that's thrown in front of him, and God wants that for you. And we're in our next to last sermon of this series, Designed by God. And, and we have new folks here every week, so I've just got to give you a quick recap. We said that this suitcase represents the average person who is created by God but is not a child of God. Every person comes into the world, we believe that God designs them in their mother's womb, created by God. But the only way you become a child of God, get adopted into his uh, spiritual family, is to ask Jesus Christ to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. When you do that, the Bible says that he takes up residence in your life through the power of his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit always brings housewarming gifts. He has given you at least one spiritual gift. You get it at the time of your spiritual birth. It may lay dormant your whole life if you don't uh, discover it and begin to put it into practice. But this whole series has been about you have an important part to play in the body of Christ. And we said that, that best represented by this stained glass. Every one of us are broken, battered. We have so many stories of hurt, some stories of abuse in, in our congregation. But the incredible thing is God wants to take your broken life, put it in the body of Christ, and then make us a shining... of example of his power and his grace to a watching world. So today we're going to continue. Today is the most content heavy part of this whole series because we're going to fly through the rest of the spiritual gifts as they're listed in the scripture. We went through four last week. If you want to get that um, uh, sermon, you can get that on the CD out there, but we're going to fly through some things today because we've got to get this in. Next week we're going to wrap it up and we're going to tell you, so what? So you've been gifted, you've got all of these tools, now you understand where you're supposed to go, what you're supposed to do, what do you do with all of that? That's next week's sermon. All right, so today we're going to jump in, we're going to pick up with the study of our gifts that educate God's people. Last week we talked about the gifts that communicate God's word, so let's fly through these. The first of these is teaching. This is the ability to educate God's people by clearly explaining and applying the Bible in a way that causes them to learn. How many of you have been in a Sunday school class? We don't have Sunday school here. We do have children's church. We have small groups and homes. But how many of you have been in a Sunday school class sometime in your life where the person teaching did not have the gift of teaching? Yes. How fun was that? S-U-C-K-E-D, right? Because if somebody doesn't have the gift of teaching, it is painful on everybody in the class as well. But if you've been in a class where someone had the gift of teaching, you were with them the whole time, they drew you in, you remembered things, you go home saying, hey, I I learned this, you tell things to people during the week that you learned from the teaching. Some of you have this gift, you have the gift of teaching, but it's in seed form, you don't even understand it yet, but as you begin to serve in an area of ministry, God's going to develop that gift. One of the ways uh, you can tell somebody has a gift of teaching is if they organize things, if they see a passage and they say, well, I see this, I see this, they have lists, they categorize things and they teach that way. So here's what we're doing. We're evaluating yourselves on each of these spiritual gifts. If you're not a Christ follower, then you got zero spiritual gifts. If you are a Christ follower, you have at least one. We're trying to help you discover it. So here's how you evaluate that. Maybe I have, I'm pretty sure I have this gift, gift of teaching. Maybe I have it or nope, I definitely do not have it. So that's the three options on the first one. That's why I list them there on your listening guide. And by the way, if you have a smartphone, you can go to YouVersion if you have YouVersion on there, and, and you can follow these, and you'll have all of these lists of spiritual gifts on the YouVersion app. You just type in 75801, 802, 803, and it'll come up our uh, sermon for today. Second of the uh, gifts that educate God's people is encouragement. 
Some translations call this exhortation. It's the ability to motivate God's people to apply and act on biblical principles, especially when they're discouraged or they're wavering in their faith. It's the ability to bring out the best in others and encourage them to develop their potential. Now, the difference between someone who has a gift of teaching and the gift of exhortation is teachers focus on the content. Here's what the Bible says, step one, step two, step three. Exhortation or, or encouragement people, they, they say, here's what the Bible wants you to do. Here are the principles, the timeless principles. You need to act on these. If you'll follow these in your life, you'll get where God wants you to go. They're inspirational, they're motivational, they're action-oriented. People with the gift of encouragement can often visualize a potential path for other believers and help them to see that themselves and and reach their greatest potential. These people, the encouragers, are very good counselors. All right, so I told you we're going to fly through these. You can talk more about these at your small groups tonight. So uh, I have this one, pretty sure. Nope. Uh, There are three gifts that that support the teaching and encouragers. And those three gifts are wisdom, discernment, and knowledge. Okay, let's look at those real quickly. Wisdom is the ability to understand God's perspective on life situations. This is the ability to, to explain what we're supposed to do and how you do it. When, when you're around these type of people, you go, that person has insight. For example, in relationships, these are the type of people that you can tell them what's going on in your life, and, and they go, well, you know what's going on here, and you're going, no, I don't know what's going on. That's why I'm having problems. Tell me. And they say, well, they're doing this, and there's this underlying motive here, and they're, they're thinking this, and they're wanting you to do this, and they're manipulating you, or they're doing whatever. That's what these people are able to figure out. And one of the characteristics I've found in people who have this gift is they love to memorize Scripture. They're constantly hiding God's Word in their heart. And when they hear something, they can immediately say, Oh, well, in uh, this verse it says this, and in this verse it says this. Maybe you should go back to God's Word and do what God's Word says. They're good mediators in a conflict because they can listen to both sides. and say, Well, I see what you're saying, I see what you're saying, but here's what God's saying. That's a better way. Why don't we go that direction? I'm pretty sure I have this gift. Maybe or nope. Discernment. Now, discernment, these people, oh, God love them. They, they know right from wrong, truth from error. Uh, they can give an immediate evaluation based on God's word. And they can tell whether something is Satan, yourself, or God's spirit. Now, they, they, don't, they don't have a lot of mercy. And so they'll get in your face and say, you're wrong and, and you're, you're acting like the devil or, you know, whatever. Uh, <laughs> they have the ability just to get in your face and do that. Now, one of the guys who, who did this, there's a book that I have in my library, and I've, I've read this many different times, done studies. This is by Walter Martin, and this one is actually Hank Hennegraaff, the Bible Answer Man, was the general editor because uh, w- uh, Walter Martin is actually dead. But he was one of the first guys that said, all of these other things that are copycats of Christianity that aren't good, he studied and he put it down in in written form so that you can understand. So he's got everything from Jehovah's Witnesses, from from Muslims to uh, Mormons to, uh, uh, what else am I thinking? Latter-day Saints, the Mormons, Christian science, I mean, Buddhism, he's got them all in here, and he says, here's what they say, here's what the Scripture says, here's where they deviate from Scripture. That's a person who has discernment, and we need these people in our church. Now, I, I serve a little bit of a discerning function because people all the time, they'll email me or they'll call me or they'll come up and they'll say, hey, what about this writer? What about this preacher? What about this? And just this week, Janie had a, uh, a family member call and say, hey, this book sounded good, but is this author... Is, is he a, what did he say? Is he a nut? Yeah, called Janie, and I hear her talking. I don't know what's going on. And, and he says, he a nut? And she goes, yeah, he's a nut. And he goes, well, that's what I thought, so I'm not going to buy his book because I don't want to waste my money or my time reading some nuts book. 
that's a discerning function because there's certain things that teachers and preachers will say that just raise red flags and you just know that it's not exactly from God. That's a discerning spirit. So pretty sure I have it, maybe, or nope. Knowledge. Knowledge is the ability to, to discover, collect, analyze, and organize information that is vital to individual believers or even the entire church. Now, this is one of my favorites. Daniel chapter 1, verse 17 says this, To these four men, young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Do you know what four men he's talking about? Somebody take a guess. It's in the book of Daniel. So the first one, it's in the book of Daniel. And then somebody said it, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. What are their Hebrew, Hebrew names? Those are their Babylonian names. Uh-huh. I heard one. It's uh, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael but you don't need to know that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. This was a spiritual gift. God gave these men gift of knowledge so that they rose above everybody else in the, king, uh, in the kingdom of Babylon so that they could be the advisors to the king and they could watch out for uh, God's people. Now, these folk, people say, get the facts. If you read the book of Proverbs, it's all about get the facts, get the facts, get the facts, because feelings change. Do not base your decisions on feelings because feelings change. When people ask me, hey, what do you think about this? The first thing I'm going to ask is, what does God's word say? What does that have to do with it? Because in the Bible, I say this over and over, 95% of what you're supposed to do with your life is contained right here. The reason you're screwing up your life is because you're not following God's word. It's real simple. The other 5%, if you're doing this and you're praying, God's going to show you the other 5% of what he wants you to do with your life. Uh, So let's move on. Uh, These people are researchers. If you have this gift, by the way, come see me because I need... I've always wanted this, and our church has never been big enough to do it, and I know big churches, they do this all the time. These people are research assistants. These people love to study apologetics, which is the defense of Christianity. They love to study different things. If you are a researcher, you like gathering articles, come see me, because I can can tell you about three or four of the next series that we're going to do, and I need some help with research. I would love for you to be a part of that. Um, And all the stuff that we keep on computers... All of that is important stuff, and some of you have that gift. You've got the gift of you just like organizing things. You like uh, data input, which is like poking needles in my eye. But some of you, God designed you that way. We have a job for you. Come and see me. We'll get you hooked up. Now, that's pretty sure, maybe or nope, that I have this gift. Gifts that demonstrate God's love. First one is service. Service is the most needed gift in any church because these people have the ability to recognize unmeet needs in the church family and they take initiative to offer practical assistance to other people and they don't need any recognition for it. That's, that's real big. They take the, initi- the initiative and they don't need recognition for it. Those are the two big things. One time I had a lady come up to me and she said, I'm called by God to be in the band on the stage. And, and, and I'd heard this lady sing. And, and I said, well, here's, some, here's something that I would like for you to do. If, if you're called to do that, would you go back into our older children's area? Would you start teaching them music? She looked me in the eye and she said, I am not called to, to sing back there. I'm called to sing on stage. That doesn't take discernment to say, um, I don't think you are. <clears throat> The Bible's called all of us to serve, but some people have this gift. These are the folks, they walk into a room. If chairs need to be set up, they're already setting up chairs. If things need to be taken down, they're already doing that. If the trash needs to be taken out, they do that. You don't have to ask these people to serve. And these people love serving other people who are in more visible ministries. One time, some ladies uh, at, a, at the Baptist church, and you just have to understand a Baptist church, there, there used to be something called the WMU. Is there still WMU in the Baptist church? 
Yes. <clears throat> it's the Women's Missionary Union. And, and what that meant in the churches I was in, if you've been part of that, then yay, love you. Um, but in the churches I'd been in, it was all the old ladies who didn't have anything else to do. They got together and had Bible studies about missionaries in China. And, and they talked about different stuff like that. Well, one time they asked Janie to teach. And, and Janie came to me and she goes, I don't want to teach. I don't, I don't feel like I should do that. And I said, then don't do that. So she went back to her and she said, I don't have that gift, but I'll make some cookies or you did some refreshments or something. She served everything. Uh, and then the lady came back to her. All the other staff ladies were mad at Janie because they said, how did you get out of teaching? We hate teaching these things. We just feel like we have to. And Janie said, I just told her what I was supposed to do. And she did what she felt good doing rather than what someone else wanted her to do. Uh, these people are incredible because they don't feel any task is below them. Some folks, oh, I don't, I'm not going to do that. That's below me. Well, then we don't need you. Because Jesus said, I didn't come to be served. Jesus, the King of Kings, said, I came to serve. If we're playing follow the, lead, follow the leader, then we need to be like our leader and serve. And in fact, one of the ways that we'll know whether you're mature enough to serve... In, in a bigger ministry is if you're willing to do the smaller ministries. Because Jesus said, he who is faithful in small things will be faithful in big things. If you're not faithful in small things, what's the opposite of that? You're not going to be faithful in big things either. Uh, so, look at this one. Pretty sure I have it. Maybe. Nope. The next gift is mercy. The ability to detect and empathize with those who are suffering in the church. These are compassionate, cheerful people. The gift of mercy, I've told you this before. These are the people you want to come see you in the hospital. Um, because they're the ones, that there's two different types. There's a spoken gift of mercy, there's an unspoken gift. The spoken gift is the person who comes and sees you, and they just say the right thing, and you're just comforted, and you, you hate to see them go. There's other people that come to visit you in the hospital, and you're just looking at the clock going, Really? I wish they would leave me alone. Right Now, the unspoken gift of mercy, they're the people that are great listeners. Um, it was kind of funny. A few weeks ago, we had our, our small group, and we did the personality thing. And, and golden retrievers, lion, otter, beaver, golden retriever are the major personality types. And if you want that, we've got some of those. You can take that personality profile. But we found out we had 10 golden retrievers in, in our small group, which has got to be some kind of record in the history of the world. But golden retrievers are the type of people that they can listen, and they are great friends one-on-one. And you need people who have the unspoken gift of mercy as well. Now, the, the best example I can think of from Scripture of someone who has mercy is the story of the Good Samaritan. You know the story? He comes and he sees a guy on the side of the ditch. He doesn't, he doesn't tell him what he's done wrong, which is what a prophetic person would do. Well, you know what you did wrong, idiot. He's talking to him in the ditch. You shouldn't have been out here at night. You're going down where you know robbers are. You know, my brother is like that. My oldest brother, he would just tell you, here's what all you did wrong, stupid. And you're, and you're like, that's great. Give me a bat and I'll smack you upside the head for your prophecy. But the good Samaritan, all he did was he took him, he nursed his wounds, he left his American Express card and said, whatever he needs, put it on my account. So grade yourself on this one. Pretty sure I have mercy, maybe, or nope. Hospitality is the next one. The ability to make others, especially strangers, feel welcome. Every church I've been in, there's been somebody who's given us a key to their house and, and allowed people, uh, my friends or family, to come stay with them. We, uh, we just spent the night, Friday night, with some, some friends in Arlington. And I was youth minister there from 91 to 95. And we've kept up with them, and now we're meeting, you know, her, their, their two children were in my youth group when I was in Arlington, and now um, we're getting to meet the grandkids. And they are like family to us. 
um, whenever the wreck happened, they heard about it, and they, you know, whatever they, they needed to do. And, and uh, he pulled me aside one time, and he said, um, he goes, hey, do you need some money? I, I, I can give you a few hundred dollars if you need that to go, uh, you know, check on things. I said, no, no, we're doing good. They have always opened up their home. If we call them at any time, they want us to come to their home. When I was in Austin, uh, Janie and I were dating. We were engaged. There was a family that gave her a key, and she had her own room. It was Janie's room. Nobody could go in that room in the family except Janie. When she would come see me on weekends, she would just go into their house, and, and she had her own room. These people have taught us what it meant to be hospitable. Now, there's a difference in entertaining, throwing a party, and being hospitable. Anybody can throw a party, and you go into the party, and you're worried about things, and you're uptight. But people with the gift of hospitality, the moment you step in their presence, they make you feel welcome. They just have this ability to look at you, and, and they'll ask you questions about you. And before you know it, you're talking. You're going, man, I just feel comfortable here. We need people like this to be greeters. You've been to churches where the person comes, they hand you a dead fish. By the way, don't give me a dead fish. I will smack you. If you do this, you know, when I come up to shake your hand, there's nothing worse than that. My, my daughter's both gymnasts, but they know how to shake hands. And several times I've introduced them to people, they shake hands. They go, wow, that's a firm handshake. We believe in a firm handshake at the Washburn household. We believe it at New Life Community Church as well, because there's nothing worse than walking into a church and somebody walks up and does this. Hi. <laughs> really? Do not be a greeter. It's okay if you're not one of those people. But we need folks that just when someone walks on the property, they immediately feel better. Because here's the thing. If someone walks in here and they're uptight, it doesn't matter what I say. If they're uptight, they're not going to listen to the message of Jesus Christ. But if someone, if their defenses are down, they say, I feel comfortable here, then the message of Jesus can, be penet can penetrate their hearts and their souls. And so we need the right people to be greeters, not the wrong people. And these folks just seem to be able to use their homes as a ministry tool. They're just able to open up and, and they want people to be there. Um, so we need you to be greeters if you're one of those people. Um, so grade yourself on this. I, I have the gift of hospitality. I don't mind talking to other people. I don't making, mind making them feel welcome. I don't mind using my home for ministry. Pretty sure, maybe, or nope. Pastoring or shepherding? We're actually going to gain momentum here as we're, we're heading through this. Uh, this is the ability to care for the spiritual needs of a group of people and help them grow spiritually. It's, it's like a small group leader who just has a gift of, of growing that small group and helping everybody in the small group reach maturity. In, in, the, in the New Testament, which was written in Greek, the original language, pastor actually means, literally means to lead and to feed. It was the shepherding mentality where you cared for, you nurtured uh, sheep in that instance, but in the church, it means you nurture a small group of people and help them become a stronger Christian. Pretty sure, maybe or no. Giving. Now, the ability to generously contribute material resources and or money beyond the 10% so that the body may grow and be strengthened. God has given some people, and I know some of these people, some of these people have blessed our church in ways I, I can't even tell you publicly. Or privately, I can't tell you at all because they'd kill me. Um, but people have done things through the years in our church. They're, they're the type of people that they'll give three, four, five different ministries. God just blesses them and they love to give. They live to give to the church. And uh, these people are usually the happiest people to be around. They make lots of money and they give away lots of money to finance the kingdom. Some of you have this gift. You would love to give a lot of money to the church, but you're just not in the situation yet. It's in seed form and God's going to grow that as you become faithful um, and, and you're going to be able to do that. 
So pretty sure I have the gift. And by the way, one time we had um, a music, a worship leader in our church that every time the church gave him a raise, he increased his tithe so that we never paid him a dime for the two and a half years he was our worship leader. Isn't that crazy? He had the gift of faith, and he said, oh, well, you know, God's going to provide. And I'm like, but you're doing this. No. And every time the church would give him a raise, he would increase his tithe greater than the raise that we gave him. Blew my mind. That's the gift of, of giving. Okay, gifts that celebrate God's presence. Worship gifts or prayer-related gifts. First one is music. It's very clear in Scripture that music is a spiritual gift. In the Old Testament, God talks about the, the musicians that were supposed to go and lead the music in the temple. And there were certain people who were supposed to lead, and other people were supposed to play uh, instruments. And, and it's the ability to celebrate God's presence through music, vocal, instrumental, and to lead the church family in worship. It's real obvious if you got that gift. It's real obvious if you don't. Check yourself on that one. Pretty sure, maybe or no. Arts and crafts. This is a big deal. Did you know this is a spiritual gift, arts and crafts? Let me show you from the Old Testament. Exodus 31, 3 through 11. It's just a couple of verses, but that's the whole passage. Uh, God gave some to make artistic designs to work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work with wood, and engage in all kinds of artistic craftsmanship. He gifted two men to teach others these skills. So God gave some people the ability to do some incredible things. And if you ever read about the tabernacle in the Old Testament, it was ornate. Things overlaid with gold. They talk about pomegranates that were on the posts uh, in, the, in the tabernacle. Just unbelievable artistic designs. God gave some people to do those designs, and he gave some people to teach other people to make those designs. God wants his house to look good. And we don't have to spend a lot of money to do that. There are some of you who are gifted at this, and, and you can help us out with that. And I would also say that drama falls under this category. I don't know how many of you, how many of you were here on Easter when we did the drama? Um, four people. That was one of the most powerful dramas that I've ever watched. And we had a, a church member write that drama and direct that drama, and, and that is one of the gifts. Some people just have that gift. And whatever God has given you, it's not to be just used outside the church as a hobby. You're supposed to do it inside the church as well. Um, so pretty sure, maybe or nope. Now, four prayer-related gifts, and then we're going to get into something that's pretty deep and heavy. First is intercession. The ability to pray for needs of others in the church family over extended, extended periods of time on a regular basis. When I'm sick, I want somebody who has the gift of intercession to pray for me to get well. I don't want the people to just say, oh, if it's God's will, I want God to get well. I want it to be God's will. <laughs> right? Don't you? Now... Not every time that someone prays does, is God going to heal because God is sovereign. He's got his things. He, he has his ways. The Bible says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But I want someone praying for me who does not give up. You want someone praying for you like that, right? These are the people we need in our prayer ministry. And we've got a couple of them in the church. And, and they will pray all the time. Um, there was this little old lady I used to go see um, at the Sterling house. And uh, I did her funeral several years ago. One of the ladies who'd had more trouble than any person I'd ever known, and you would not have known it because her demeanor was always happy. And every time I would go up there, she'd say, I pray for you and your family every day. And, and I have no doubt. And when she died, I was asking people, I'm going, okay, which one of y'all going to step up? Because Miss Marcy's gone. I need somebody praying for me. And I think you want that as well. That's a huge gift in the church. So is that you? Pretty sure, maybe, nope. Uh, gifts of healing. The ability to pray in faith specifically for people who need physical, emotional, or spiritual healing. We just said that, that uh, not everybody gets healed because God is sovereign. 
Miracles is also a prayer gift. The ability to pray in faith specifically for God's supernatural intervention in an impossible situation. That could be physical, emotional, spiritual, relational, any of those things. Grade yourself on that. Now, there's one more, and this is a controversial one, and we're going to dig in just, just for a minute before we finish. This one is called praying with my spirit, or it could be tongues or interpretation of tongues. Now, we're going to look at what Paul had to say. This, this gift was being misused, misunderstood, abused in the Corinthian church. It was such a problem that he had to write a whole chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, to explain the proper use of this gift. So let's try to walk through this very quickly. He gave four guidelines that we use as our church. It comes straight from 1 Corinthians chapter 14. First of all, uh, speaking in tongues is listed as a spiritual gift, but one, it is for personal edification, not the whole church. This gift is different than every other spiritual gift because every other gift is given to build up the church. This one, Paul says, is for personal edification. Look what he says in, in 1 Corinthians 14, 4. A person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally, but the one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Paul says, you can strengthen yourself. He says it's a legitimate gift. At one time, Paul says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He said, but I'd rather speak five words, intelligible words in the church, than a thousand words of prophecy. I believe that, that this is a more appropriate gift in your private prayer time. And I know people who do this. I do not have the gift of speaking in tongues. I've been in, in church situations where I think it violated Scripture. And I've been in one situation, one time in my life where I've seen it, and I believe that it honored and glorified God. And so this is a very controversial uh, gift. It, it, the problem is it's very easy to draw attention to yourself. And in fact, the, the Corinthian church was saying that, that the spiritual gift of speaking in tongues was the highest gift, and you don't find that anywhere in Scripture. And they were saying, I'm better than you because I have this gift. Well, if God gets to choose who has the gift, if no, not everyone has the same gift, how can we then rank them in order? But Paul says, this one has a personal application, not so much a church application. Number two, we are to focus on building others up, not ourselves. 1 Corinthians 14, 2 and 3. For if you have the ability to speak in tongues, you will be talking only to God, since people won't be able to understand you. You will be speaking by the power of the Spirit, but it will be all, all be mysterious. But one who prophesies strengthens others, encourages them, and comforts them. One time we had a lady walk in our church. This was years ago. And... Um, there were probably 15 or 20 people there. If you were, if you were here about 1030, you'd see how many people are in the church and uh, out in the living room. And she walks in. She busts through the door. None of us had ever seen this lady before. She goes, hello, everybody. And in our church, you know, we're, everybody turns and looks at her. Somebody goes, hi. And she starts just talking out loud and doing things. And, and we're all going, wow. So I walked over and introduced myself to her. And, you know, and then somebody else came in who knew her, and they said, well, this is the pastor, and we talked for just a few minutes. Well, then uh, you know, I went around, because I, I like to greet as many people as I can. I'm doing all that stuff. I come in here, and I'm getting ready for church. She walks around, and she goes, she goes Pastor, do you allow visitors to uh, offer a word in your church? And I mean, this was just one of those things. I wasn't prepared for it, but at right th that time, the Holy Spirit hit, and I said, not today. Because I just had this feeling in my spirit that she was not here to build up our church. She was here to draw attention to herself. And, and I don't know what she would have done, but it would not have been appropriate in our church service for someone to get up and draw attention to themselves. You, you understand what we're saying? Spiritual gifts are designed to point people to God, not to me. Number three, it confuses unbelievers in the service. 
Even so, if unbelievers or people who don't understand these things come into your church meeting and hear everyone speaking in an unknown language, they will think you are crazy. Now, it not only confuses unbelievers, it freaks out believers who've never seen it before. The one time, and if you've been in our 101 class, you, you've heard me say this, but the one time that I saw it, I, I was, this was way back in college days, and, and I was dating this, this young Baptist girl, and I took her to this home church, and this lady stood up and spoke in tongues. The Baptist girl, I had to hold her hand to keep her from running out the door because it freaked her out. And it's the one time I believe it was an actual, actually a, a uh, God-honoring thing that happened, but I was kind of freaked out too, and luckily I had just read 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14, so I understood, and I'm going, oh dear God, give an interpretation. Oh, good. Dear God, give an interpretation because I was freaking out. And my brother was an elder in the church. And later I said, what would you have done if there had not been an interpretation? Because the scripture is very clear. You do not speak in tongues without an interpretation. And he said, we would have had to stop the service and said, I'm sorry, this is not of God. I said, you do that? He goes, what choice do we have? He said, there is a Holy Spirit. There is an unholy spirit. The unholy spirit is the devil. If it is not coming from God and it is not glorifying God, we have to call it what it is. And I was like, man, I hope I never have to face that. But I think that it would be safe to say if someone were to just stand up and there was no preparation and we did not know whether there was somebody who had the gift of interpretation in the church, I think we would say, you're out of order. I mean, I, I don't know that I would have any other option. And it's not saying that, that I know everything. It's just I have a teaching role in the church, and, and we try... Here's what, here's what drives me crazy. People say, well, you are quenching the Holy Spirit, as if the only time the Holy Spirit ever moves in a believer is from 11 to 12 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Is it not possible that if I'm studying and praying earlier in the week that maybe the Holy Spirit could speak to me then to prepare me for this hour? That's a yes or no question. Thank you. Now, there have been times, and y'all know, there have been times on a Saturday night when I'm freaking out because the Lord says, you're not preaching my message tomorrow. And I'm like, why didn't you tell me sooner? Because I like to plan. And the more I plan, the more comfortable I feel when I'm up here. But sometimes God says, no, I want to go this direction. Just last week, um, Keith couldn't be here, and, and that changed all the songs that we were going to do. He's our, he's our electric guitar player. And it changed everything, and we sat down, we talked, and we said, let's try this, let's try this, and we did some songs, and, and we really believe that God changed the song so that we could honor Him. And we're grateful to God that Keith, I prayed this morning when he walked in, thank you God that Keith's not on a tower today, because all the rain and everything, it, it, it attacked Nalcom, and all that stuff was messed up last week, and he was stressed out, to say the least, right? So we're grateful to have him here, but that's what I'm saying. Sometimes you have to roll with the flow, go with the flow, and God will show you a different way to do things, but he can also speak to you early in the week as opposed to at the moment that you need it. Number four, the fourth thing that Paul says in this, this passage, ideally it's not meant to be used in the worship service. And here's why. Some of you are going to be offended by this. But in a church meeting, I would rather speak five understandable words to help others than 10,000 words in an unknown language. Dear brothers and sisters, don't be childish, childish in your understanding of these things. He says, I'd rather say five words. Um, Jesus loves you, praise God, than a thousand words that nobody could understand. He said, because it points to God. And he says, the one thing that we can do that everybody's encouraged is prophesy or preach, which is clearly declaring God's word. Look at um, 1 Corinthians 14, 32. 
Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Here's, here's the problem that I have. Um, because I've seen church services where it was just out of control with people speaking in tongues. And um, I've seen people who, who didn't know, who, who would say, I just couldn't help it. I, I'd spoken tongues. I couldn't help it. I did this. I couldn't help it. Well, Scripture says that you are in control of your faculties when the Holy Spirit is in control of you. And, and really, the Bible says, do not be drunk with wine. The reason it says, do not be drunk with wine, it's not saying that drinking's bad. It says, do not be drunk because, it then says, but be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. See, when you're drunk, your faculties are, are, are lower. You don't understand. You, you move slower. You, you don't see the danger in situations. You don't react correctly. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, your senses are heightened and you understand very clearly what's going on. And so if anybody ever says, I just lost control, the Holy Spirit just overwhelmed me and I lost control, then I'm going to say, show me in Scripture where that's true. Because Paul, the one who says he speaks in tongues more than any of us, said, you are in control of your spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit, I, I give control. You understand what I'm saying? There's a difference. If you ever say, I couldn't help myself, you're lying. Because you have a choice. So, uh, grade yourself on that one. I'm pretty sure I have it, and some of you do. I, I have friends who, have, who pray in a language that I would never understand, and they do it in private because they don't want to cause a stumbling block in the church. I don't have this gift. I've got a few gifts, but I don't have this one. Nobody has all of them. There's not one single gift that everybody's supposed to have. Now, I felt like I had to get through all of that content today so that we can get to next week's message, and I'm going to tell you, so what? Yes, all of these scriptures are down there. Yes, you have one or two or three. What do you do next? That's what we're going to look at next week.